Welcome to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are David Catanoso, the Director of Enterprise Cloud Solutions Office at the Department of Veterans Affairs, John Hale, the Chief of Cloud Services at the Defense Information Systems Agency, David P., the Vice President and General Manager at Equinix Government Solutions, and Cameron Cherry, the Federal Chief Technology Officer for Dell Technologies. Before we get started, let me set just a little bit of context for our conversation today. Ever since the Cloud First initiative in 2010, agencies have been moving toward a hybrid approach. Some applications and data will remain on premise, others will move to public and private clouds. This is and will continue to be a fact of federal technology for the foreseeable future. Gartner Research found the use of public cloud services are expected to grow by 17% on average through 2021. Dell Tech also estimates that spending on cloud services is expected to grow by more than $9 billion by 2024, which is a five times increase over what agencies spent in 2016. And agencies have learned over the last few years, and particularly during this coronavirus pandemic, that the value of having multi-cloud approach is real. The General Services Administration laid out simple and straightforward benefits of hybrid cloud in a 2016 white paper that still resonate today. It says hybrid cloud is valuable for dynamic or highly changeable workloads that can deal with significant demand spikes. And this is especially true as agencies push the cloud to the edge. Another good hybrid use case is around big data processing where an agency could use a hybrid cloud storage to retain its accumulated data and run analytics against it. Now at the same time, GSA says agencies, CIOs, and must also identify operational and business benefits of implementing a hybrid cloud and build a business case to support their strategy because with any technology, there are risks. So with that context in place, let's turn to our panel to tell us more about how agencies need to continue to take advantage of this hybrid cloud approach. Once again, my guests are David Catanoso, the Director of Enterprise Cloud Solutions Office at the Department of Veterans Affairs, John Hale, the Chief of Cloud Services at the Defense Information Systems Agency, David Peed, the Vice President and General Manager at Equinix Government Solutions, and Cameron Cherry, the Federal Chief Technology Officer for Dell Technologies. I'll start with John Hale from DISA. John, the, the approach to cloud services, generally speaking at DISA, you guys have been cloud before cloud was sexy, before cloud was uh, even what we call it cloud. But give me a sense, how is DISA looking at cloud today and how's, how's, how's your approach evolved? Yeah, so, uh, so hey, first, thanks for having us on the show. Um, uh, you know, this is a timely topic with what's going on with the, with the coronavirus uh, pandemic right now. So, um, you know, the Department of Defense's cloud strategy has evolved dramatically over the last 10 years, uh, and even more so probably in the last three months. Um, you know, 10 years ago, if you'd asked us about cloud, uh, the, the general view was that uh, traditional data centers, big data was, was the way that we were going to go for the foreseeable future, and that cloud had a place but it was kind of an ancillary service to help augment certain capabilities. Um, over the last 10 years, that strategy has changed dramatically, and, and now we're at a point where uh, the department's look is really cloud first, uh, and then traditional hosting or traditional data centers or even hybrid cloud capabilities as kind of a secondary uh, focus, right? So there's more and more push to move to software as a service uh, in a pure uh, cloud environment. Uh, with using hybrid cloud really for how do we transition uh, the more legacy type applications into the cloud environment. A uh, lot of uh, high transaction, high IO based type, type applications. That's where we look at leveraging hybrid cloud. Um, <clears throat> to that avail, we've we fielded mill cloud uh, capabilities within the department, which is our on-prem commercial cloud service. Um, and, but we're, we're leveraging more and more off-prem commercial cloud for traditional day-to-day uh, -day type operations. Uh, and with the coronavirus uh, pandemic, you know, our shift towards online collaboration uh, has, has accelerated uh, dramatically. Plenty to talk there about the coronavirus impact, and we'll get to that maybe a little bit later, but let me just take a half a step back. Do you get a sense that the strategy has changed over the last, you know, 10 years, the last couple years, because of this idea that, oh, well, look, the cloud can be secure, the cloud can be useful, or did something else trigger that change? No, I think it, I think it has to do with security. Uh, you know, the Department of Defense, we're, we're uh, much like a lot of other industries, we're really concerned about the security of our data. Um, and when you talk to the, to the security folks, uh, 10 years ago, cloud was something that wasn't necessarily known and trusted. Uh, and so uh, they were a little shy about leveraging cloud capabilities to house, you know, that important data. Uh, but that, 
we've, you know, working with those, that part of the, our teams, we have uh, proven to them that it can be secure, that it can be used, it is reliable, uh, and that we get all the data that we need about the, the, uh, and the integrity and the security of our, of our data and our applications. So it's really been about bringing along uh, the, the non-believers, for lack of a better word, uh, the folks who didn't believe that cloud could do what we were telling them that it could do all along. But uh, so that's, that's dramatically changed and evolved our, our strategy. Uh, one, one, a little bit of advice, John, don't ever say I told you so. I, don't think I do not. Well. I do not. Actually, I'm. I'm very. Uh, I'm very good with my security folks because I. I, I have to have them. So. I know. I know. Uh, let's turn to uh, Dave Cantonoso from uh, the Veterans Affairs Department. Now, Dave, you guys, uh, VA, have been also on a cloud journey for some time. I remember talking to your CIO back in 2010, and and they were all in, and then things took a little bit of a, a slowdown, I guess maybe. But talk about your current approach to to cloud, and where does hybrid fit? Sure. Well, again, I'd like to thank everybody for inviting us to be part of the panel. Um, for those of you who may not know, the VA is the second largest federal agency, second only to the size of the Department of Defense. We have over almost 400,000 employees, and we provide services and health and benefits and memorial services to millions of veterans. So as you can imagine, for, for that size of an agency, we have an enormous on-premise infrastructure uh, to support hospitals and regional offices and staff around the country. And so hybrid cloud is a big part of our solution. We, we've started really moving forward heavily into the commercial cloud space using the government clouds from Amazon and Azure. Back in 2018, we have a, we established the VA Enterprise Cloud as one of our main solutions for getting uh, applications and data and services to the cloud and make those available. Our main goal really is to provide and, and expedite innovation to provide better services and customer service to our veterans. That's our primary focus every day. Uh, and the cloud is a big part of how we're doing that. So when we've, we've really seen a lot of success in that area. You, you talk about uh, this VA Enterprise Cloud. Now, is this basically a hybrid approach where you have some on-prem for certain data or certain applications? Because obviously VA is known for having some, we'll say older technology that you guys still find useful, but then also you're modernizing. And I know you guys have done a ton of work with customer service as an example of modernized front end systems. Have you had that kind of, is that where this hybrid approach finds that balance? Yeah, we, we do have a hybrid approach. We've also managed to move many of our older legacy systems into the clouds. So we've got two of our production Vista systems, which is our, our legacy EHRM system uh, in operating one of our enterprise cloud environments. And we also have some brand new digital transformation initiatives uh, with the va.gov website, uh, which is all modernized and running out of our enterprise cloud. So we're, we're really attacking it on all fronts to ensure we leverage technology. And, and like the DOD, we're also putting an emphasis on software as a service as another alternative to getting our applications and, and modernizing our service delivery to veterans by using those that technology as well. It's always a great use case when you can find an agency like VA who says, hey, we had these legacy systems and we just didn't throw our hands up and say they're going to have to stay on the old mainframe or the old servers, client server setup, but actually figure out a way to move them to the cloud especially when you get things like the health records that maybe you'll see a spike during parts of the month or, or just a lot of use at all times. Uh, was that a tough move or is that something that just was a more of a natural, we'll, we'll get there because we have to? Well, we, we knew we had to do it. We haven't moved all of our enterprise uh, health records up to the cloud yet. We've got two of the 130 systems and we're still working at the strategy that how many additional systems we move. But for the ones that we move, we've seen uh, improved reliability, better performance, um, and, and it gives us the scalability to adjust for demand in sort of situations like you can imagine with the coronavirus, we've got a lot of spike in demand. And so that, that was a help for at least those two sites. And we're looking at using the cloud to, to accelerate delivery of some of our clinical applications uh, with our uh, client patient record system using uh, technologies like AppStream uh, and, and virtual desktop interfaces to, to deliver that capability uh, more, more rapidly to uh, clinicians working from home and expand telehealth. I have plenty to talk there as well, but let me bring in David Pete from uh, Equinix. Uh, David, from your perspective, as you guys are talking with your government customers, what what, what are you seeing around the, their cloud strategies, and where does hybrid cloud fit in? Well, first, thanks for having us on the on the on the show. Um, very much appreciate it. You know, for me, it's an easy. You know, the the it's great being between the customers and with a great partner like Dell. Um, you know, it's, it's about the platform. I mean, you know, we're seeing, you know, a hybrid approach and where the agencies are looking at what, you know, applications and workloads needs to be, you know, if they want in the cloud and which ones they want to keep, 
um, you know, for themselves, if you will. And, you know, what we look at is we provide the platform for them to do that. Um, with, you know, we have over 200, say the 217 data centers globally. Um, so we give both the cloud providers and the agencies a lot of flexibility. We have almost 3,000 cloud providers in our data centers. So if you're looking to interconnect with any, you know, any of those um, to, um, you know, to help solve your applications, um, you know, we're looking, that's where the platform to go to. It's interesting when you talk about the apps and workloads, and I know we'll probably get to this a little bit later, but that's the big kind of push. Can, can this app, does it make sense to move it to the cloud? We know earlier on in, in 2010, 2011 timeframe, a lot of agencies pushed everything to the cloud and then realized, uh-oh, that could be really costly. Is that the, kind of the conversation where you start, whether it's, it remains on-prem or goes to the cloud, and, and that's why it's the hybrid approach because of those decisions? Well, quite honestly, we're, we're actually just pushing the envelope on the network edge and where you do the data analytics, and we will look for the really smart folks like Cameron and, and our partner, great partner in Dell that they are to really do that, that, that level of analytics and not, you know, we're not so much looking at which application goes where we're providing the platform for great partners like Dell and having, you know, the folks there and, and, and folks like Cameron and his role help the agencies kind of figure out which applications go where for us, it's just all about the platform. Right. But it's, it's that platform piece that agencies are, are kind of understanding more and more. I think what makes sense and where it goes and why and, and how the platform matters Versus just push it all out there. I think maybe that's yeah. the point I was trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and actually, so for us, we're, I think we're, you know, we're still being confused with the minivan or the credit company that, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't know Equinix. So for us, it's all about having the agencies truly understand what we do. Uh, some of the folks in the Department of Defense, you know, we've been working with for a long time. Um, so I kind of like to say where uh, government knows us, they know us really well. Where they don't, they don't really know us well at all. And so I don't know that they know a, a lot about Network Edge and what we're doing there and how we're pushing, you know, the envelope, you know, at our data centers. Again, almost 220 globally um, for what they do. So for us, it's it's more of an education for the government side, so they understand better what we do. Working with great partners like Dell to really go after the solutions that they're needing, you know, for their for their network architecture. All right, let's bring in Cameron Cherry from Dell, and, and Cameron, you can talk to us maybe a little bit about the conversations you're having with your government clients and the people you're working with around this approach to hybrid and cloud services. Absolutely, and Jason, it's such a pleasure to share the airwaves with you once again, my friend. Uh, I've got a lot to live up to to what David said, but let me. Let me start with just a, a first baseline. So we've talked a lot about cloud as a technology, uh, as a destination, but let's, let's bring one thing very clearly into focus here. John and Dave have some of the most difficult jobs on the planet. They are underpinning some of the most vital missions that this country has. And these, these men are extraordinary because when you think of creating comms for the backbone of a mission, right? No comms, no mission. If I don't have basic command and control, right? There's no mission and we've got warfighters at the tip of the spear that are at risk. So, so John's job is just extraordinarily important on that. When I think of Dave's, Dave's role, what greater honor than to support our veterans, right? These are, these are men and women who've given their life to service. So we have to understand that our platforms and our technologies are underpinning two of the most important missions on the planet. That said, when we start talking about hybrid and we, we start talking about where to put workloads and, and all these other different complexities that the modern world of clouds kind of brought to us. Um, we boil it down into a couple of very simple, straightforward strategies that you can, you can kind of live by in any situation. Um, the, the first thing is we, we call it the three laws of cloud. And it's really very, very simple. And you, you touched on this very um, astutely earlier. The first law is the law of economics. Right, you gotta, you gotta profile your workloads and you have to look at the economics of the workload. Um, not everything is a good candidate to move viably to the cloud. There are supplemental costs when you think of legacy applications. And I like to keep it as straightforward as I can, Jason. Legacy applications are like trees. They grow roots, right? So if I have a common database and I've got a common application, what happens over time in these complex enterprises is more and more people begin to create interfaces to those databases because technology is supposed to reflect the workflow of the, of the mission or business process, not create silos of excellence. So the laws of economics become very, very important. 
Uh, the second law we talk about, which is the law of the land. This is all about compliance, and this is all about making sure what, what John and Dave described is getting highly secure workloads and making sure that we can leverage the great security profile that this hybrid cloud environment can provide us. So when you think of with the laws of the land, this is the statutory requirements and some of the other legislative requirements that we have to contend with that most people I think undervalue that the government has to work in this type of environment. It's actually extraordinarily complex. So anything we could do to progress in this area, we really have to you know, give our hats off to the government and civil workers that have been able to make this progress because it's a very challenging environment. And last but not least, Jason, and this is the one that's the most important is the laws of physics. And John alluded to this a little bit, and so did David. At the end of the day, there's laws of physics, right? Networks have latency. And so being able to put a workload in a geo or a location best suited for the, the user or the user community that's accessing it so that they can gain a good user experience and the performance that the application requires is what's driving a lot of our customers to this hybrid cloud model. Um, great examples, you have COCOMs around the world, right? These combatant commands around the world, they very are, they're very reluctant to connect to uh, continental United States resources because of the latency on the network. It's, it's very challenging. So being able to leverage great capabilities like what Equinix provides as points of presence and their data centers to these mission partners and really bring these two powerful capabilities together, uh, you can live by these laws pretty safely. We take a break. You're listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network. Equinix is the leading strategic data center platform for government solutions, hosting the largest network of facilities, clouds, and service providers. Equinix is a partner in the mission, helping users distribute applications, access data, and see analytics in real time. No lag, no drop-off in experience, all thanks to the interconnected network cloud solution from Equinix. Grow, save, and improve efficiency with Equinix. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are David Catanoso, the Director of Enterprise Cloud Solutions Office at the Department of Veterans Affairs, John Hale, the Chief of Cloud Services at the Defense Information Systems Agency, David Peed, the Vice President and General Manager at Equinix Government Solutions, and Cameron Cherry, the Federal Chief Technology and Cameron Cherry, the Federal Chief Technology Officer for Dell Technologies. Now, just before break, Cameron, you, you were, were offering us three, if you will, laws, if you will, and I enjoyed them, about cloud and economics, uh, land, and physics. Now, you went through them nicely, but I want to ask how those three laws now apply to, quote unquote, the new normal, a, a term we're probably all pretty much tired of hearing. But I think it's important to say that things have changed. We're much more online. Things are the services we, we, we use, the services we provide as organizations. Talk to me about the, the current situation with the pandemic and how those three laws apply. Sure, and you know, in the first segment, John made some really good points about that. When we look at those three laws, it really starts to drive to why I, uh, I think that Suzette Kent did such a great job updating cloud first to cloud smart. Because what that set was a foundation for us to really focus on what makes the most sense for the mission execution. Um, we also, Jason, we couldn't talk about the current situation and having to, to move to this kind of workforce 2.0 type of strategy and framework. Um, but we couldn't talk about that without the underpinning of cybersecurity, right? We have to do this very safely, very securely. You know, when I think of Dave's mission, I think of the HIPAA high tech requirements that he's got to contend with if we're doing work from home and release of patient information and data. Um, we at Dell, we've been a remote workforce, almost 70% of our company was a remote workforce prior to the pandemic. Because what we recognized early on was <clears throat> when you think of your hardest use cases first, as you work back into the enterprise and back into legacy assets, it becomes a bit easier to contend with them. Because your hardest use cases typically inform you of, is your cyber architecture good? Do you have the right capacity from a telework perspective? things like uh, virtual private networks so people can remote into the infrastructure. And then what are your security policies and how do you project those security policies out to the, the edge where these users might be uh, working with or ingesting information? 
So I think the lead up from a hybrid cloud actually helped us prepare for this uh, type of crisis environment. Clearly there are gotchas we all experienced, right? Our con ops or concept of operations may have been a bit dated on how we do it. Um, maybe some people were caught flat footed and didn't have devices, which you know we could rapidly remediate those gaps. But all in all, Jason, I, I have to really um, give a massive our, our public sector, federal, DOD, and even the intelligence community, because um, although I know there were challenges and there were a lot of them, just it's extraordinary to see how resilient the government was during this pandemic to get people so rapidly working in this remote type of situation, wherever that may be, very safely and very secure. And, and Cameron, you should, you're being a, a little, um, there, there's a lot of credit that goes to vendors too. I heard from federal CIOs who's at Kent a lot, as well as other uh, CIOs in the government who just have given tons of credit to uh, uh, vendors like like Equinix, like Dell, like so many others who have really come through in a pinch and, and hasn't kind of said, well, we don't have a, the right contract for that. Nope, we'll get it done. We'll turn it up. We'll, we'll get you what you need and move forward. So uh, I think kudos not just to the, the government folks, but obviously to the, to the vendor community as well. And I think you put, you bring yeah, up a really, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Jason. No, you're 100% correct. Listen, this is, this is where there's a difference between the definition of a vendor and a partner, right? And <laughs> it's ordinary times when you have to have those partnerships, you have to lean on those partnerships to really make sure it happens. Because at the end of the day, a lot of us who supply service to the government, um, we see it much like a calling like a lot of the civil servants do. Uh, we just are fortunate to have other capabilities, unique capabilities behind us. That's actually a great segue because I want to bring John Hale back into the conversation from DISA because one of the things that John, that DISA did and DOD at large did was really set up a collaboration tool that has just received a lot of good feedback, a lot of really like, oh, look what we did in a short amount of time. Walk me through that case study a little bit, but also how much of that happened because you guys were already so much into the cloud moving toward that hybrid cloud approach. Yeah, so uh, so so good segue there. So, um, you know, historically the department has been <clears throat> moving applications towards the cloud. Um, we started an effort uh, about two years ago called DOS, the Defense Enterprise Office uh, Suite or Solution, uh, and the idea there was to bring software as a service into the day-to-day -day desktop type collaboration services and, and features that you would typically expect uh, in an office environment. Um, so that, that contracting action was kind of proceeding through the traditional uh, contracting wickets. We were partnered with GSA on that and we're working on that uh, even today. Um, to, to kind of solve some of the issues around the pandemic, uh, working with the, the cloud computing program office within the DOD CIO's office, uh, we launched this thing called CVR, the Commercial Virtual Remote Work Environment. Um, and CVR is a set of commercial tools uh, and it's accessible uh, outside of the Doden network. Uh, so it's one of those where we don't require users to VPN into our network uh, to turn around to then get to commercial cloud services. Uh, so there's a little bit of a, a, a break from the way we've traditionally viewed security around our applications in the cloud. Uh, but basically uh, we, we launched CVR in a, in a commercial environment uh, and mission, uh, mission partners from around the department uh, can leverage it from their, from their government laptops, from their personal laptops, from, from uh, personal devices. Uh, along with their government devices uh, and collaborate and work effectively. And we can also work with our commercial mission partners. Uh, you know, for those who, who've ever heard me brief, I've never referred to uh, vendors. I've always referred to them as commercial mission partners. Um, so to kind of piggyback on what Cameron was talking about there, um, you know, a lot of what we've done from a pandemic perspective, where we shifted from basically 15 to 20% of our workforce teleworking at any given time to 80% plus teleworking on any given day and any given time. Uh, a lot of that, you know, that shift has happened because we, we've worked very closely with our commercial mission partners like we have on, the, on, this, on this meeting today, uh, specifically those two and uh, along with some others. Um, and, and we could not have gotten to that place where our workforce continues to be effective uh, and, and performing their mission uh, without working with our commercial mission partners. Let me bring in Dave from VA as well, because you also are using 
the pandemic has also, is, is, if you will, forced or, or giving you the opportunity to take advantage of cloud services to really push toward mission. Uh, Dave, talk about VA's experience. So as you can imagine it with healthcare being one of our major missions, the VA, we've taken a pretty aggressive public public health uh, approach to responding to the pandemic. And you know, we, we have to provide support for all of our veterans, their families, our staff, but we also have a fourth mission, as you may have heard our secretary on several different uh, briefings with the president, talk about our need to support the, the, the non-government healthcare system as well as a, a kind of a surge, a surge care force. And so we've, we've really leaned into that mission very heavily and taking advantage of our cloud to rapidly accelerate our ability to telework and provide telemedicine uh, during the pandemic. So for example, we, we uh, like, like um, DOD have a lot of folks working from home on a regular basis, maybe tens of thousands, but we literally had to expand our capacity to support up to 250,000 uh, staff members working remotely uh, during this pandemic. We doubled our, our remote uh, access bandwidth. We tripled our ability and capacity to provide telemedicine literally procured tens of thousands of mobile devices and laptops and rapidly deployed them across the department so that we could get more folks working remotely very quickly. And a big part of how we did that expansion was to leverage our enterprise cloud and several different technologies. We pushed uh, the ability to support tens of thousands of virtual desktops into our cloud, looked at streaming applications and expanded our telehealth capacity uh, into our cloud as well. Now, a lot of that can happen without the network being there. So let me bring in David P from Equinix. David, that platform, that, that, that has to be there, that has to support, uh, you know, doubling of bandwidth, tripling of telemedicine, bringing on more mobile devices. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing when you talk to government customers about that need to have that infrastructure in place or put it in place. Well, I'd like to go back to a point that Cameron made really early in the show and just how hard John and Dave's job can be in government. Um, I didn't serve in the military. I worked for the government for three years. Um, you know, sometimes it could be a thankless job and their jobs are extremely hard. And again, I think you know what uh, you also in our, in our shoes and Cameron in, in, in my shoes, you, you can see when chaos is happening. I can just say during this whole pandemic, um, it's just been you know so, so seamless of what you know what we've what I've experienced with most of our government customers, and certainly we have uh, you know some work with Dave at the VA, and then we have a significant amount of work with John and his and his agency. Um, and it has been lack of chaos and, and just and methodical on what they've done. Uh, and we've been proud to be a mission partner. Um, and, you know, also working with, um, you know, partners like Dell. Um, again, we have over 1,800 network service providers in our data centers, you know, close to 3,000 cloud providers. Uh, we operate in 55 countries. So we're, you know, we're big. Uh, we provide a platform. We're expanding that platform to the edge. But, you know, again, just kudos to John and Dave and the job they do in the government. And also, you know, uh, again, uh, Dell is one of our top partners, if not top partner in the government. I think our uh, solutions are very complimentary. And, and if you look at, you know, what I get excited about is but the people and, you know, folks like Cameron and then Steve Harris, who runs Dell Federal. And, you know, you got guys like Andy Kemp on the special program side. To me, it's, it's, a, it's a lot about the people, too, that the government are interested in, not including the network and, and your capabilities. They're also looking at the people and, you know, I think there's some pretty, there's some very sharp people over it now. Do you find that as you're talking with your government clients though, that, that the network piece is so important to ensuring that, for instance, Dave or VA can triple, double the bandwidth, that John Hale can get a piece of, uh, you know, new collaboration tool out there. I mean, walk me through what the conversations you're having with your agency customers about the importance of having that platform, that network in place. Yeah, no, it, it, it is extremely important. Um, you know, I think you look at it, you know, evolutionary versus revolutionary in the sense that, you know, some there's forces, some technologies will call, you know, like the iPhone, you know, created a, a revolution as, as far as how that uh, the systems operate on, on cell phones, et cetera. And I think you're seeing the same on the network side. But what I'd say, Jason, is what I've seen is, you know, we've provided the platform, you know, at Equinix, um, and the agencies have added to it. So I think they always un have understood it. I think they're now just executing and using it more uh, and, and understanding the increase in supportance. But I think you've seen what John and, and David said, you know, specifically expanding what John said is from going from, I think 20,000 or 20% users remotely to 80%. Um, and, and I think they've done it seamlessly. So I think the knowledge and the understanding and utilizing the network was there. I think they're just, you know, utilizing more. And I think, 
again, for us being the underpinning where, you know, close to 2000 of where those networks reside, it makes it easier for agencies like VA and DISA to, to do that. One of the things that we, when we talk about the, the, the imp impact of the pandemic and, and the, the fact is that agencies have had cloud and, and have moved certain applications to the cloud, is there a sense, and maybe let me turn to, to Dave from, from VA a little bit, is there a sense that, okay, this is, this was a really good example, or this was a really good, uh, I'll use quotes here, pilot, and wow, look, now look what we can do. Did this kind of open the door to some, some bigger, some broader ideas, some concepts that maybe after we get through this, when we return to kind of the old ways, if you will, that things won't change as much because you, you've tested these cloud these, these concepts out in the cloud and they've worked hopefully fairly well? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be a, a catalyst to moving forward even faster. I mean, we were already moving forward fairly aggressively leveraging cloud and, and network as a service, as, as we just mentioned. We were able to adapt very quickly, and I think we've learned not only that we can operate in new ways and we'll want to continue to expand upon that, but that we can we can change some of our, uh, our techniques much more rapidly than we thought we could before. I mean, because of the pandemic, we had to, we had to really move quickly, and luckily, we we're able to do it. We had the right contracts in place and the right teams in place, and leveraging the as a service capability with that ability to scale very rapidly, we took advantage of all those things and were able to deliver the capabilities I mentioned uh, before. I mean, we literally hit a 867 percent increase in telehealth sessions during the pandemic, and we hit a maximum of 19,500 calls at an all-time high in one day for telemedicine. So, I mean, we really, really spiked the load. And we're able to handle it, uh, you know, I won't say seamlessly, but we're very, very well. Yeah. Hey, Jason, if I could piggyback just before you, before you move on, um, you know, one of the things that we face from a, from a, from a capability perspective, specifically around CVR, uh, you know, we launched CVR as a collaboration capability as, as part of this whole pandemic is, you know, what we've heard from our mission partners uh, who are leveraging the capability every day is, you know, this is now mission essential, right? So at the end of the pandemic, this, this stuff can't go away, right? So we have to have uh, these same type services available to our mission partners going forward, even after the pandemic. Um, and so just simply, you know, putting, putting these tools in the, into the hands of our mission partners has dramatically changed the way that we do business on a day-to-day -day basis and has dramatically changed their demand signal for the capabilities going forward. Jason, if I, if I could chime in just briefly, John really hit on something really important. And, and so did Dave, there's an underlying theme to both of those, both of those commentaries. I think what we're seeing is, is that middle management that was maybe reticent to look at these things before. I think this uh, current crisis maybe has maybe changed a lot of the minds of those people to, to think, the technology's there, we still have to be safe and secure, right? That's gonna underpin everything, but I think, it was a motivating factor. But the second, second thing is, Jason, you and I have worked a lot together. You know, I'm always the positive guy. Can't, I can't help but to be that. But the, the light out of the darkness with this pandemic is teaching us that um, there's a whole new workforce and human capital that we can gain access to that maybe had a desire to be a, a civil servant or work for the DOD or the intelligence community that we, we may not have been able to entice before because we didn't have these types of uh, more modern, more progressive services that we're now testing. So we're getting access to this next generation of human capital while we're transforming the workforce of the, the government through these types of uh, solutions and having them implement these solutions. So at the end, there's still some positive that's really coming out of it. Yep, Dave. Yeah, no, I just wanted to expand on that. Again, I think it looks at, if you look at, um, this is the new norm. It's, it won't be the pre-pandemic and post-pandemic network. It's going to be the, the new network. And that, you know, as I said before, I think, you know, 9-11, you know, I think in some ways revolutionized security in some ways, right? Where there was a forcing function, an event that happened that really, um, I think really forced probably a harder look at security. And I think you're now you're seeing this in the pandemic. It's going to be a harder look at networks and, and the capability to do analytics um, because, you know, that, that analytics is, you know, for the pandemic is, is, is the key to success and opening, you know, opening things back up. So I think, again, I talked about the revolutionary from a technology perspective and using uh, the iPhone as an example, you know, uh, events, in the, uh, events in the country 
also kind of revolutionized technology. And I think that's what you've seen with the pandemic. All right, excellent point on that point. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network. Equinix is the leading strategic data center platform for government solutions, hosting the largest network of facilities, clouds, and service providers. Equinix is a partner in the mission, helping users distribute applications, access data, and see analytics in real time. No lag, no drop-off in experience, all thanks to the interconnected network cloud solution from Equinix. Grow, save, and improve efficiency with Equinix. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are David Catanoso, the Director of Enterprise Cloud Solutions Office at the Department of Veterans Affairs, John Hale, the Chief of Cloud Services at the Defense Information Systems Agency, David Peed, the Vice President and General Manager at Equinix Government Solutions, and Cameron Cherry, the Federal Chief Technology Officer for Dell Technologies. We've heard during our discussion today on hybrid cloud, security has come up several times. So let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, let me start with John Hale from DISA. Uh, DISA, again, you guys were first out the gate in many ways with when it came to uh, cloud. You mentioned earlier on that it was the security, the understanding that you can be secure, the understanding that the, the just moving things to the cloud doesn't mean it's a wild west free for all. Talk a little bit about how the security now plays a bigger role as DISA and DOD more, more broadly moves data applications to the edge? Yeah, so uh, so that's a good question. Um, you know, traditionally when we've looked at applications in the data center, we've, we've kind of done it defense in depth. And when we started moving applications to the cloud, we took that same approach. We tried to take that same model that we've used in the traditional data centers and we just shifted it to the cloud in this defense in depth mechanism. Um, and, and the way I like to kind of paint that picture for, for most people is if you picture, you know, like a, a railroad, um, you know, you, you have a series of signals and switches that are sometimes controlled by central command. Uh, but once a train passes through a signal or passes through a switch, what happens on that train in between that and the next signal is kind of unknown, right? It's completely, completely unknown to the system uh, that you just kind of trust that the engineers are doing what they're supposed to be doing in that time period uh, in between those, those spots. Um, and you kind of just check to make sure that the train hits the right mark at the right time as it's going down the line. Uh, but you don't really have this, this defense in depth. Uh, I mean, you don't have a really a, a complete trust about what's going on on the train. When you shift that to uh, like modern uh, uh, transport uh, organizations, trucking agencies, you know, they have the ability to monitor a truck uh, real time. They can tell you where the truck is, what speed the truck's going. They can tell you when the last time the driver took a break. They can sometimes see the driver. Uh, you know, if there's a person who's not supposed to be authorized in the vehicle, they have the ability to shut the vehicle down. Uh, you know, so, so they've really kind of gone into what I would call the zero trust model, right? Which is you don't necessarily just trust that the truck's going to pass through the red lights at the right time or that they're going to uh, obey the laws but you, you kind of go all the way down with as, with as many sensors as possible to, to provide that security necessary to, to provide that capability to your, to your mission partners in your workforce. And we see that shift in, in the network going the same way in the cloud. Um, you know, we've, this has specifically done it in the past. We've, we've built our uh, cloud access points where we, we control traffic to and from the cloud uh, capability from a departmental perspective. But where we see the department really going is that zero trust model where we place as much, uh, as many sensors as close to the end uh, applications as possible. And you actually make the applications themselves become sensors uh, and you monitor all that information real time and make real time decisions about access and control uh, and, and data flow and those kind of things. Um, and, and I think that moving to that model is gonna dramatically change uh, how fast we bring things to our mission partners uh, when new capabilities are demanded or new things come along uh, and how how secure we can ultimately provide that capability to to our end users from a data perspective. I love the train analogy. You can't, you know, if you can always fit in the railroad uh, analogy I'm a, during a I'm a railroad guy, so that's me. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. 
I want to just touch upon, though, this idea of making the applications almost as sensors and, and monitoring real time. Does that add a level of complexity that a lot of apps don't have? Or as maybe this is a better question for maybe someone like Cameron, but is, is are the applications being built today to kind of have those additional capabilities in there? Like, it just seems to me to become more complex, but not, not because, but, but necessary. Yeah, Jason, it's a really brilliant point. And I, I share with you, I love John's analogy because there's so many parallels into the digital world with, in, that, in that analog. Um, you're spot on as far as the, the assertion here. You know, this is why you see the rise of things like DevSecOps, right? Which is, you know, the secure way to do uh, DevOps. We refer to these as fourth generation applications. These are applications that are born cloud native and a lot, there's a lot of instrumentation. You know, John made a really brilliant point about sensors. And uh, I like to refer to them as tripwires, right? Because they're tripwires from a cybersecurity perspective that needs to inform someone to either take action or maybe an automated process to take action to uh, make sure the application is still safe and secure. When you start to move into the world of software-defined and software-defined networking, where you can micro-segment the network using software, you get the ability now to do exactly, Jason, what you asserted in your opening comments, which is, I can move the security as close to the application workload as possible now. You know, it's, it's um, available now in the world to do things like app defense right at the workload level where I'm creating software-based or virtual firewalls right at the application to complement that zero trust that John's talked about. I think what you're seeing, Jason, is there's a lot of talk around how cloud makes apps more secure. That's true, that's true, but it's, it's a complement between the cloud provider and the, the actual customer focusing on that workload and focusing on how people get access to it, where the data goes, what's connected to that workload, so it's forcing more uh, security and cyber awareness around that workload itself. Let me bring Dave from VA back into the conversation because I think with something that Cameron mentioned about the micro-segmentation and, and, and SDN and complements to zero trust all fits in with the VA mission in the sense of you have doctors and nurses and health professionals who sometimes don't worry about the cybersecurity or maybe aren't as familiar with cybersecurity and, and, the, and, the, and the things that they need to do to keep their data and their applications and their patients secure. So you really, in some ways, have to do it for them. Maybe, Dave, talk a little bit about how VA is adopting, if you will, if not SDN and micro-segmentation, but at least these concepts to keep uh, the users, the, the patients, the veterans uh, safe. Right. So I, I think the overall analogy was really good. We basically use a similar approach to the VA traditionally, where it's defend the perimeter, defense in depth of the traditional data center. And we did also extend that same model into the cloud when we first uh, started migrating applications to the cloud and standing up our enterprise cloud environments. We at the VA maintain four trusted internet connections under the TIC 2.0 uh, model, where you know essentially all the traffic flows to and from our cloud environments through those four access points. Um, but with, uh, with the event of COVID and, our, and the advent of TIC 3.0, which provides for that ability to set up your security in a more uh, point, point of presence nature, we've been leaning very heavily into leveraging that to expand our telework capacity. So we're actually doing a lot with uh, app defense, as was mentioned before, and leveraging a lot of the cloud native uh, monitoring and, and, and uh, instrumentation capabilities to both Azure and Amazon provide, as well as we have several other vendors where we've brought in into our enterprise cloud and set up platforms for application performance and security monitoring. We're leveraging a cloud, a SaaS-based cloud broker, access security broker tool to monitor all our internet traffic as it flows uh, through, the, through the network. So we're leveraging many capabilities in a layered way, but, but putting them at the point of presence to, to really get the, right up to the edge and protect our users. I think the, the broker tool is something that's starting, the cloud access broker tool is something that's starting to gain some popularity. Uh, can you talk maybe just a little bit more about how that works? Because is that, since it's SaaS, it's in the cloud obviously, but, but talk a little bit more. So we leverage FedRAMP very heavily to take advantage of SaaS capabilities. And so we've got a cloud access security broker tool that, that's FedRAMP certified. We, uh, we, we also uh, use that to we ingest a lot of log data into that tool, but we also use it to monitor traffic uh, in real time. Certain traffic flows go through the tool and it, it's able to analyze that with a lot of capability, artificial intelligence, et cetera, behind the scenes and provide reporting and alerting to our uh, cybersecurity team in terms of uh, threats that might be hitting the network so they can react very quickly. And, and respond, uh, you know, almost in real time. Excellent. I think that's something that's going to, again, gain some popularity as we are um, 
as we are looking forward. Uh, Dave Pede from uh, Equinix, uh, when it comes to security and the platform, as, as you guys are running the platform there, what are some of the things you're seeing from your government customers? Are they asking you about security? Of course they are, but, but what are they asking you? What are some of the trends? Yeah, I mean, yeah, security is always top of mind in this. You, again, you know, we, we are the platform slash physical infrastructure that the agencies and partners connect into. So, you know, we have all of our uh, continental United States data centers are FISMA high. We have uh, two purpose-built uh, data centers, one in Florida and one in Culpeper. And uh, three of those, uh, two in Virginia and Florida, we have significant space where the government can house very sensitive uh, data. Um, and so, you know, from our perspective, a lot of conversation turns to the physical piece of it. And on the network side, we, again, we rely on our partners um, like Dell and others that are, uh, you know, really helping them more on the network security side. Now, certainly we, we secure our platforms. And, but conversely, um, with, our, uh, with our cloud exchange platform, which is the interconnectivity tissue between our data centers, 217 data centers, you know, we do allow for the software-defined networking companies to integrate into that fabric and, and create architectures that are um, from the network and from the, from the data center perspective, you know, kind of uh, stand up and tear down uh, at, at their will. One of the things about moving to the cloud that, that is, the, the, again, another benefit that we're starting to see is this use of AI, machine learning, deep analytics. Uh, so maybe Dave from VA, jump in here for a little bit. And, and VA, again, you have so much data, you have so much information that is, is kind of coming through. Are you guys starting to look at AI? I know you guys have launched an, an office of AI or an AI center of excellence, whatever term we're using these days. How, is that, how have you started to kind of marry the two hybrid cloud approach with these new emerging technologies? Yeah, so absolutely. We definitely have a lot of corporate data throughout the VA and all different spaces, healthcare, benefits, and memorials. And we've got over 13 petabytes now just in our enterprise cloud alone, not to mention what we have on-prem. So we're extending our, our data warehouse capability up into both clouds, uh, as well as leveraging SaaS technology. Uh, we've got services from both of our cloud providers that we're taking advantage of. And, and during the pandemic itself, we took advantage of some AI to build some chatbots to immediately provide uh, front-end facing capabilities to our veterans and the general public in terms of you know COVID response, answer questions, but potentially evaluate in, ter in terms of when you could see treatment, et cetera. And that, we rolled that out in a matter of weeks uh, in response to the, to the demand that came up, you know, as you, we all know, unexpectedly. So the cloud really makes it possible to respond quickly to things, even in that space, right? And take advantage of these tools that are really excellent provided by the cloud providers. John Hale, also from DISA, let, let's jump in here too, because walk me through a little bit about DISA's use of these emerging technologies and, and, and tag it back if you can to the COVID response. Yeah, so uh, I, I will tell you that from a COVID response perspective, specifically around uh, cloud consumption uh, service, network services, uh, this is something that, you know, we've, we've worked very closely with uh, David Pete on is uh, our, our bandwidth requirements uh, have gone up uh, 200 times. Now that's not 200%, that's 200 times what we were doing uh, just six months ago. And so, uh, you know, as we move more and more, shift more and more stuff to the cloud, uh, you know, I, I get asked all the time from leadership, you know, what, well, what's the right amount of bandwidth that we're going to get to? And uh, I, I always laugh at that question because I don't know, right? So um, as, our, as more and more of our mission partners are continuing to, to leverage more and more of the cloud, uh, I, I don't know what the end of that, you know, how big that bucket's ultimately going to be. Uh, but we are at a point right now where we're, we're rolling out, you know, a 200 times increase in bandwidth capability. Uh, to to the cloud. So um, that's really where a lot of our focus has been over the last probably two months has been getting all that stuff in place so that we can we can add that much bandwidth to our mission partners' needs. Feels like never enough bandwidth, right? And exactly. Like, think the pipe's never kids, big enough. That's what my kids say, never enough Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, we're just about out of time. Cameron, let me ask you to close this out. Uh, as we look forward, as we uh, whether it's the new normal or the, or the, the old normal or however it's going to look, where is the hybrid cloud? What are, what are we seeing in the next you know, year or so in terms of how agencies can continue to take advantage of these, of these technologies and services? Yeah, it's a great question, Jason. And I think what it, it would serve us to bring this whole conversation together 
you know, you think a hybrid, it's helped us respond and react in a, in a very favorable way to this type of crisis. So the hybrid strategy is clearly working. I think the second thing is um, we're eventually going to get to a point where we're going to stop talking about cloud as a primary technology because we're going to fully recognize it's an operating model. It's modern engineering rather than a destination, right? When we, when we think of cloud as a destination, it's so limiting. When you think of what's coming with edge computing, which really is going to take cloud to a whole different level, you think of the convergence of what's happening with 5G, you know, to John's point about bandwidth, 5G is more than just bandwidth. It's about the software-defined nature of what this generation of technology is going to provide us that's going to take us back to this distributed edge and this distributed capability which is really going to bring the user experience and the capability and the computing capability closer to that tactical edge to be able to provide those more rich uh, capabilities to users all around the globe, wherever they may be. And it's all going to be underpinned, Jason, that we talked about this, by that zero trust model, right? Because we don't know where users are going to be at times, and we don't know what devices they may be using to access the sensitive information. So we have to make sure we can truly authenticate who was on the network, but also what is on the network. And I'm excited about what the future holds because it's, it's not just about cloud, it's about what it does to underpin mission execution and a lot of the great things that our company's doing. Excellent, I think we all should be excited for the future. I agree with you that uh, not just the cloud, but this operating model and, and the pandemic is, is always a little bit of a silver lining to look for. But this has been a great conversation, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So let me thank my guests. David Catanoso is the Director of Enterprise Cloud Solutions Office at the Department of Veterans Affairs. John Hale is the Chief of Cloud Services at the Defense Information Systems Agency. David Peed, the Vice President and General Manager of Equinix Government Solutions. And Cameron Cherry is the Federal Chief Technology Officer for Dell Technologies. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Equinix. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Hybrid Strategies for Today's New Normal, sponsored by Equinix Government Solutions on Federal News Network.